great conversation continues now on the Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe. Howard Monroe, brought to you by WVU Medicine. Walking in the sunshine, sing a little sunshine song. Put a smile upon your face as if there's nothing wrong. Think about a good time had a long time ago. Think about forgetting about your worries and your woes. Walking in the sunshine, saying a little sunshine song. All right, still a little foggy outside. You're not quite walking in the sunshine yet, but it's going to be a sunny day outside. We try to bring it sunshine inside all the time here on the Watchdog Morning Show. It's going to be a sunny day, a high around 70 today. We'll start working our way up the 70s uh, throughout the week, maybe pushing close to 80 uh, Thursday or Friday, but probably more in the mid-70s all week long. It is foggy outside still. Uh, we're looking at uh, 51 degrees, Wheeling, Ohio County Airport, 51 at the Highlands, 50 in Elm Grove, and 52 degrees here at the Robinson Auto Group Studios downtown Wheeling in the heart of the Ohio Valley. We have been very busy this morning. We talked about um, the well, Wellsburg Brilliant Bridge Party. Uh, how do you have a party for a bridge? But okay. Uh, how do you lose a stealth fighter jet? We spent some time talking about that. How in the world could even Donald Trump use classified documents as scrap paper? But he did. And uh, we were kind of keeping an eye on the Roxby development story last week. The head of Roxby uh, federally indicted. And there will be other charges quite likely coming uh, in the near future. You have something on your mind? Text me 304-214-1600. Or you can use the... Uh, Frio Stack Office Service phone line, 304-232-8255. Uh, top of the Wellsburg Bridge, uh, off the text line, uh, Steve, the Wellsburg, Steve from St. C. called about it. Steve, the Wellsburg Bridge will prevent truckers from having to drive through that piece of crap town that you all live in. Okay. All right, then. Um, <laughs> uh, text line, I am in charge of the bridge celebration. And we had some money left over, so we decided to have a party. <laughs> okay. There you go. Okay. I, I don't know. Let's see. What is this one? <laughs> Quick text here. Um, good morning, Howard and Bob. Cat Stevens. Yes, that's true. Cat Stevens is another great artist that got out of the limelight. Yeah. Um, by the way, I love your podcast. Thank you very much. Our podcasts are at watchdognetwork.com. All three hours are up, hour by hour, every day. You can check them out there. So those are off the Frio Stack auction service. Uh, text and line. Howard, you know me. I'm, I'm really quick to defend uh, the city of Wheeling. I, I love Wheeling. I love Elm Grove. But kind of hard to uh, argue with that texter. Yeah, things are kind of tore up. You could bypass uh, it. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm not going to call it a piece of crap town. But, I, yeah, I mean, look, it, nobody wants to drive through Wheeling right now. It's just as simple as that. Um, but remember, it's getting better. Maybe. Hopefully. I want to talk very briefly. Coming up in a minute or two, uh, Brad Macklin with us to talk about WVU, the reorganization that's going on there, and more yet to come. But I, I just want to take a second, Bob, to talk about this story. Uh, Taylor Long's been reporting it for us this morning on our TP7 newscast. Channel 7 has it on their website. D.K. Wright did the original story. Um, a woman and her two adult daughters in Fairview had 11 starving and flea-infested dogs. And when the folks went in, they found the bodies of an unknown number of dogs and cats and chickens and even a rat. I mean, what a, what a, just a horrible story this is. 
Humane agents say four standard poodles had died locked in cages without food or water. And again, from TV7's DK Wright story, they say the three women were living in unbelievable squalor. I don't understand. You know, Bob, probably every parent at one time or another has had a kid say, um, I'd like to get a dog or a cat. And what do we tell them? You'll have to take care of it. That's right. You, it's, not, it's not just a toy. You have to take care of it. I mean, even if it's as simple as at Easter time, that I'd like to get a duck or a chick or a rabbit. We, every parent says, but you have to take care of it. How can people do what these... I guess they're elderly. I don't get it. I don't get it. I I, I don't either. Again, we, we've numerous stories like this, but to me, that might be the worst ever. And as I watch that story, you know, you think of the poor animals, oh. what, what they went through. I don't want to think about it. And then I thought of our good friend D.K. Wright. I bet D.K. didn't sleep a wink no, last DK, night. She, after. She's, she, an, animal she's an animal lover. And for her to have to go over there and to witness that and then have to report on it, Wow, DK, thinking of you this morning. Yeah. They say the animals were so flea-infested, many had no hair, sores all over their bodies and their ears. The two surviving poodles, now, what did I say, four died, four of the poodles were dead. The two surviving poodles were near death from starvation. Uh, apparently, they just they locked them in the cages, and that was it. I say we, they they got to go to jail for a while. I know. mean, really. I mean, there, well, there was one not too long ago, Howard. It was a big story. Remember, she... I, I think it was a woman, and I'm pretty sure she went to jail. These, unfortunately, women again, got to go to jail. I'm yeah, sorry. I'm not pick on women, but whoever they were, well, they were women. They, this they time. were, I and mean, this is just this is just. Um, how can you do that? I mean, really, how can you do it? What, you got to let them out, right? I mean, it, they well, didn't have food to you feed take, them. You take in these animals for whatever reason. I don't know. And by the way, what a strange menagerie they had there: uh, poodles, cats. Chickens, dogs, and a rat. Uh, okay. You take in these animals. At some point, you say, I, we can't take care of them anymore? I mean, all right. Would, would, is this intentional? Was this, was this purposeful animal cruelty? We just want to make them suffer? Or is it just neglect? I don't have an answer to that question, but either way, it's horrible. Just about every Thursday, Donnie Gilbert, his show from 12 to 3, uh, he has Nelson Croft from the uh, Ohio County Animal Shelter in. And they don't want you dumping their, their, your pets up there, but they take them in. They take care of them. Well, they'd rather you dump. I mean, I'm not speaking for nothing, but they, right. they, they would rather you dump them there as opposed to lock them in a cage and not Starving feed them, them until they're dead. Absolutely. Until they're dead, four poodles had died, locked in cages without food or water. Eleven starving and flea-infested dogs. The bodies of an unknown number of dogs and cats and chickens and a rat. Hey, I got All right. How do you feel now, Howard? I'm just absolutely thoroughly, uh, thoroughly depressed now. Uh, Brad McLean will pick me up. Well, maybe. <laughs> My alma mater is undergoing a major transformation, and they, apparently they ain't done yet. Brad's up with that next. Now at Menard, save big money on your next project with 11% off everything. Complete your tiling job with professional quality installation products from Tech. Sturdy Flex Mortar offers steady, reliable bonding performance for porcelain and ceramic tile. Get it for only $10.99 after rebate. Get 11% off everything. Now at Menards. Good through September 24th, savings are a mail-in rebate. Some exclusions apply. See store for details. Save big money at Follow the Wheeling Central Maroon Knights this season on The Watchdog. 
FM 98.1, AM 1600 WKKX. Sponsored by IBEW, Macho Mortgage Valor, West Virginia Northern Community College, The Health Plan, The Diocese of Wheeling, Charleston, Fahey Levitt Agency, Calcruth Residential Roofing, Columbia Sales, Liberty Distributors, Matt Jones Pre-Owned Auto, WVU Medicine, Wheeling and Reynolds Hospitals, Gumby's, Technocap, The Highlight, Gompers Lorai & Associates, Main Street Bank, Wilson for Judge, Cross Law, The Flooring Center, and Belmont Carson Petroleum. The Watchdog, your home for high school sports. Creo and Stack Auction Service. We sell the earth and everything on it. From estates to business liquidation, antiques, coins, firearms, real estate, and more. We're also certified appraisers. Creo and Stack can handle it all. Call us now for a free outside consultation. 304-233-3168. Or visit FrioAndStack.com. Licensed in West Virginia, Ohio, and Pennsylvania. Creo and Stack Auction Service. We sell the earth and everything on it. Time to pack the lunchbox. Check the backpack. Get the kids back to school. And we're right there with you on the Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe. Foggy morning. We're going to be a nice sunny day today. Daytime high around 70. 51 at the airport, 51 at the Highlands, 50 in Elm Grove, and 52 here at the Robinson Auto Group Studios downtown Wheeling in the heart of the Ohio Valley. My alma mater, WVU, the land-grant university here in West Virginia, undergoing some significant reorganization and uh, reformation, whatever you want to call it. I've been away for so long, we haven't had a chance to spend much time talking about that, but I wanted to take some time to talk about what has happened. And apparently what is going to happen, and nobody knows this stuff better than Brad McElhinney. So he's here with us this morning. Good morning, sir. Oh, hi. Good morning, Howard. Appreciate you being here this morning. Um, there was a giant hoopla. We had protests. We had no confidence votes. We had rallies. We had a headline in Metro News was eruption after eruption after eruption at the Board of Governors meeting. Uh, all of this occurred and apparently it was really just a lot of storm and drog without much uh, much meaning because the Board of Governors just went right ahead with almost all of E. Gordon Gee's recommendations, right? That's right. There were there were a couple of minor changes. Uh, they are major to you if you're someone whose job was spared, but the changes were one additional faculty member preserved for both arts and music programs and two additional faculty members preserved for language programs. So the number of professors teaching Chinese and Spanish goes from five to seven uh, under the under the mild revisions. But otherwise, yeah, the, the Board of Governors went ahead with everything. Did they not? I know that Hoppy had, uh, I don't know, was the chair of the board on yesterday, or a member of the board at least on, on yesterday. I only heard a few minutes of it. Um, Essentially, I guess they really, I guess the student protest, the faculty protest, I don't want to say fell on deaf ears, but they, they made no made no difference to the Board of Governors, I guess, right? It seems that way. You know, and the other 
main issue here is WVU's in pain, and this is difficult for everybody, but the, the tone that the administration and officials have been using is one of the subplots, whether you know they are taking people seriously, whether they are empathetic enough, whether they're truly listening. And Hoppy on Metro News Talk Line yesterday had President Gee and Tanya Willis-Miller, who is president of the Board of Governors. And one of the things that, that struck my ear was, was Willis-Miller said, through all the things you described, that she said, we did listen, but then she said, we didn't learn much of anything during the meeting on Friday or even during the public hearings on Thursday. Um, she said, we've been hearing from people for months. We've gotten hundreds of emails and there were comments submitted in writing. So I guess she's saying that it, it was not new and that they'd heard it all along, but it, it comes across like, well, you know, <laughs> we, we, we heard you, but we didn't really, didn't really pay attention. You know, I think, uh, so I, I think a lot of folks thought uh, um, of those who were protesting and complaining, kind of saw the board of governors as maybe the last salvation, last hope. But one of the things that, um, um, uh, Willis Miller said yesterday was that um, really this whole process was directed by the board, not the specifics, but the transformation was something that they asked to be put in place. I agree, and I think that was the case several months ago, and at this point it's it's sort of hard to remember each step along the way, but, but she did say that, that the Board of Governors directed this, so it stands to reason that President Gee and the provost and VP Alsop have delivered what the Board of Governors asked for. Um, Willis Miller went on to say in the same statement, she said, so I think we did see from a personal standpoint the passion and commitment that the students who were present and the faculty who were present had, but she said the board did have a job to do. Uh, she, she suggested that most students weren't really in the room but those who were in the room were, were clearly vocal and that she suggested most faculty members are not most faculty members she suggested did not actually participate in the, the vote of no confidence in President Gee, although it was an overwhelming vote. You're calling and our friend Stephen Adams wrote a column about this uh, yesterday and I invited him to come on and talk about it today and he said, I'm sorry, but I'm meeting with Gordon Gee, so <laughs> Yes, I, I, I know where I stand in this whole thing. But um, uh, he made that same argument. He ran some numbers in his column, and he said, you know, yes, there was a loud, vocal, aggressive, committed, passionate outcry. But if you lay that against the total numbers of faculty, total numbers of students, it's not as gigantic as you think. Now, I, I, I only skimmed that article, and I'm going to maybe talk to Stephen more about it tomorrow, but... He made the same point that Willis Miller made, which is that the passion was there, and there were lots of people there. Not, it wasn't just like two people. It was a large number. But laid against the total number of faculty, total number of students, it wasn't as big as maybe you think. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I do think, though, that there is clearly a, a morale issue at WVU, that there is a, a dissatisfaction that is gaining momentum and I although the decision came to a head with the vote on Friday there are still decisions to be made faculty are getting reduction in force information communication about how that will 
how that process will play out. Uh, students obviously are there. Are, there appear to my to my eyes to be more and more who are now uh, clued in and involved. And I, I don't think it's over, but I, I do wonder where it goes. Now, if I understood Guy correctly yesterday on statewide talk line with Poppy Kerchival, um, these changes have now been approved. They were recommended. They were vetted. They heard appeals, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Board of Governors approved them. They're set in place. Movement is beginning. But there are still more changes to come, right? Yes, and another one of our colleagues, Amelia Nicely of mm-hmm. the new West Virginia Watch publication, has a good rundown of what what non-academic programs may now be under consideration for reduction, elimination, or, in fairness, retention. Uh, but those include libraries, the Honors College, the Office of Global Affairs, uh, the LGBTQ Plus Center, the Women's Resource Center. And President Gee was less specific, but during a Friday press conference and on TalkLine, was was open about saying yes there are other things that we are taking a look at to re re gauge our mission and uh to cut back financially so this is this is not done in terms of both people getting notification on the the faculty and academic side but also these campus programs that are under scrutiny uh, that that may be eliminated or, or or scaled back. Now, most of us, I think, know that the 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 rationale behind this is a forty five million dollar, I guess, shortfall is the word I'll use, financial shortfall, uh, which they say could ramp up to seventy five million over the next handful of years, uh, because of what Gee and the administration are basically claiming is structural. I'm I'm using that phrase. I don't think they use that, but structural deficiencies in the way they're they're operating. So they got to change some things around. But, Brad, is there something else at work here? Why why isn't the legislature, why isn't the administration, why isn't there some effort being made, and I know that Guy said they're not going to ask him, but why isn't there some effort being made to provide some financial relief to the university short of all these changes? Or am I reading too much into this? No, I don't think you are. And, you know, I think there are a few reasons one is that President Gee, when he has talked about this relatively recently, has said we are not having a financial crisis. You know, it's it's. I am of the belief, as you just described it, that there is a forty-five million dollar budget gap, and that it may increase to seventy-five million dollars in future years. As a practical matter, something isn't done. But President Gee describes it as well. I have been talking for years about an academic transformation, and that is what this is. So it's, I, I am still trying to sort that out in my mind. Um, our friend Stephen Adams has been more on top of that question, and, and that's one that he asked at Friday's press conference. Which is it, an, an academic cutback for financial reasons, or is it, as you're saying, President Yee, just a transformation to – uh, put more emphasis on programs that are believed to have a chance to 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 stimulate the economy in the future. What 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 is the basic reasoning? Yeah, uh, see that that's where I get confused, and I, I'm I'm not necessarily being critical. I guess maybe I am. I get confused. I don't understand what is the 
What's the vision when all the things happen? It seems as if there's a push now for um, degree programs that are more directly likely to lead to jobs and careers. But to me, uh, especially, uh, you know, your, your, your top land-grant university in the state needs to be focused to a large extent on, on, the, on a, a liberal cultural education. That was talked about a lot when the world cultures issue first arose in this, in this conversation. Um, you know, it may be true that most of the students who are taking foreign languages are taking it because they're required to take a foreign language. But they're required to take the foreign language for a reason because there's a belief that there's a need to be more culturally rounded in an institution like this. It is not, I don't call it trade school, that's a bad phrase, but it's not a trade school. I, so I'm, I just don't get the vision that we're aiming for here. I'm with you. From, you know, from a legislative point of view, and Governor Justice and President Yee seem to buy into this too, one is that the legislature clearly does not want to spend more money year after year. It's a basic, we want to leave budgets flat. But the other thing is an overriding argument that you needs to focus on jobs with earnings potential, uh, training people for jobs that are going to pay people a decent living. And I, you know, I'm, I'm for that too. But yep. As you say, there is also an element of a college education that is preparing you to be a productive citizen in society. And, you know, the language program, I think, is especially puzzling that in a global economy, a global society, that West Virginia would de-emphasize the ability to take part by not having people who are well-versed in Spanish, French, Russian, Chinese, um, I, I just, I don't get it. It's been over 40 years since I was a student at WVU, but even back then I understood the need to take a foreign language just to round you out. I hated it, but I, you know, I, I got it. Um, and it seems to me in uh, 2023, the international world is is with us everywhere now. And shouldn't you be having a better not just language understanding, but cultural understanding. We live in a multicultural world. People don't like to hear that phrase sometimes, and we do. You're going to get into business. You're going to get into almost anything. You're going to be dealing with um, other cultures. Whether you like it or not, you're going to be dealing with them. And, and to suggest that somehow that is less important than it used to be to me, I don't know. I guess I'm just rambling on here, Brad, but it just it, the whole. Th I, I'm still confused. I'm just still confused. I am right there with you. I mean, I certainly understand the budgetary concerns, and I understand the, the basic math of the, the cuts that WVU is going through. But, you know, one of Hoppy's favorite questions is, what does it all mean? And that is where I am still – it's still stirring in my mind about, well, what, what are the cultural values that these changes represent you had I think a story. It's a natural question. There was a story at WVMetroNews.com. It came out of the Dominion Post. Uh, WV reports lower student enrollment for the fall semester. I don't know that that's soon enough to, to say that it's one is a cause of the other. Um, but, you know, I can't help but think, I, again, I'm just, I'm just offering an opinion here. I can't help but think that students are not going to be as interested in WVU as they go through this transformation unless they are in this very specific programs now that are getting 
you know, getting getting the focus. Um, if, if you're a West Virginia resident, or out of state for that matter, who wants sort of a broader education and it looks like that's not what they're doing, I'm not, I'm not surprised that maybe there will be fewer students there. I, 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 guess maybe, I guess maybe what I'm saying is the university has a lot of bridge building to do here. I think so, too, and I, I don't know how the university goes through repairing those bridges. I mean, the, the, just the, the, the public relations alone seems like it's been a disaster. You know, the, the university draws not only from students from families in West Virginia, but the Pittsburgh market, the Washington, D.C. market, New Jersey. And each of those has had a lot of coverage about the consternation at WVU in these academic decisions. Um, it's just, you know, when you at a moment when you want to increase the number of students, how many families have said, uh, what is going on there? Let's take mm -hmm. a look at Pitt. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that that's exactly right. When I went on vacation two weeks ago, uh, right before I left, uh, executive producer of the radio program here, Bob Slider, said, Howard, do you think E. Gordon Gee survives this? And I said, if he didn't, if he had not already agreed to a one year contract and he was if there was not time definite, he was leaving. Maybe not. But I, I felt he would survive this. But I gather from the way the Board of Governors is talking about it. They're fully behind him, so I don't think he's in any trouble at all, or am I reading that wrong? I read it the way you do. I, I think that his support among faculty and students has clearly diminished, but that he still has the support in those who could pull the trigger, uh, the, the, essentially the votes in his life that would count, uh, the governor, Governor Justice, as well as the Board of Governors, that question that you asked was posed during legislative interims by Delegate Larry Rowe, a Democrat from Kanawha County, who cited his own experience serving on the board overseeing West Virginia State University. And he said, you know, when we had faculty do a vote of no confidence, it was no time at all until the president left. Yeah. And we needed to get a search going right away. Shouldn't WVU do that? Yeah. Rob Alsop, the vice president for strategic initiatives at WVU, said he is our guy. He is going to serve out his contract. He's got two more years, and he's perfectly solid. I would have to assume, regardless of the transformation process underway, I would have to assume that surely they have to begin a search pretty soon. I mean, Guy's been there a good while. Replacing him is not going to be the simplest thing in the world. I'm sure there will be a lot of candidates who are interested, but uh, I would think they'd have to begin that search process fairly soon. What Alsop told legislators is within a year of, of reaching the point that he's coming to the end of his contract, there will be a nationwide search. Oh, and by the way, it apparently is not going to be Joe Manchin. Because See, you just, you just stole my next time. area of conversation. That's I am, I am not doing it. <laughs> I was just going to say, well, if they're looking for a new president, is it going to be Joe Manchin? Because that has been the wild speculation. But Manchin himself kind of put uh, through cold water on that pretty aggressively last week on TalkLine, right? Yes, he did. And, you know, I mean, it as a sort of political musical chairs, it made some sense to me. And I mean, it sounds like a great job. Um, you know, you let, what you do is you let Gordon Gee sit right. on the hot seat and, yep. and stir everything up and make all these changes. And then 
you know, from some perspective, the next guy is yeah. going to be right. You're not the bad guy. Guy was the bad guy. Now you come in and and you know pick up the pick up the mantle. I really thought uh, that it made a lot of sense. Manchin's got a really tough decision to make, and I don't know if either of his current decisions are good ones. You know, run for re-election. It'll be the toughest re-election campaign he's ever had, and if Jim Justice is the Republican nominee, it's going to be almost, I, I think, I don't know how he does that, but he's Joe Manchin. He can. Uh, does he go for, you know, the third-party thing with the no-labels group? Maybe. Uh, I thought, boy, this is this is the great path out. It's the it's the road you can take to, you know, uh, capstone your career as the president of WVU. But uh, but again, I'll be clear to the listeners, uh, Manchin has said absolutely, positively not. I suppose nothing is absolute in the world of politics and education, but still, he said no. The only thing that's absolute is that Joe Manchin will keep his options open <laughs> until he absolutely cannot anymore. Yeah, that's 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 exactly right. And I, the one thing I can't imagine Joe Manchin doing, but who knows, is just calling it quits. I think I'll go home and sit on the front porch. I just don't see that happening. So I I don't know. Hey, Brad, I appreciate your time this morning. Sorry I kept you so long. I do apologize for that, but. Uh, uh, this story, I'm just, I'm trying still to get my head around it, and I don't have my head around it yet. But uh, we'll keep trying to work it through, and uh, maybe we'll talk about it again sometime in the near future. Appreciate your help today, though. Thanks a lot. Hey, thanks, Howard. All Welcome right, Brad, Brad McElhinney, uh, WVMetroNews.com, West Virginia Metro News. I assume, I haven't looked at my notes from Hoppy today. I assume he'll be on with Hoppy uh, coming up uh, later on today to talk about this. I mentioned a column that Stephen Adams wrote, Stephen Allen Adams, the Ogden newspaper reporter. Uh, under the headline, where's the public concern about WVU? And his argument is that while there has been a lot, and it's not, it's not a small number, but a lot of people complaining and yelling and screaming and protesting and no confidence votes, you lay that against the total number of faculty, the total number of students, and it actually is not that big a number that most of the students, most of the faculty are just kind of like, eh, eh, here I am, you know. To me, it's obvious. It, it's obvious as looking out and seeing if it's raining or not. Uh, the Republican Party runs the state of West Virginia. They're very yep. conservative. The liberal thinking university, I, this is what I think. No, I, I, th think I thought right. this from day one. They are saying those uh, studies should not be taught at our university. If you cut them out... Yep. You won't need as much money. Am I wrong on that? Howard? No, I no, I think I think you're absolutely right. And again, although liberal arts really isn't liberal in the sense of political, but but you're right. I think what you see are a lot of Republican legislators. Who say, we don't we don't this touchy fee. We don't need to. Why do look? They want to. Many of them want to wall us off. They don't want us to learn Spanish. They don't want us to learn Chinese. Chinese? We can't, why? Why? You don't want to learn Chinese? They they gave us COVID. Um, I think you're right. And look at, um, and maybe I'll get Amelia to come on tomorrow. I haven't talked to her for a while. Uh, Amelia nicely from the new uh, online newsletter, Western Watch. Uh, programs under review, in, not talking about academics, libraries. Libraries are under attack by the Republicans already, right? I mean, they're already banning books in libraries and schools across the, the state. Uh, the LGBTQ plus center. Republican leadership doesn't want that kind of stuff. The woman's resource. Women need resources? Why? Let's put them back in the kitchen. All right, maybe I'm overstating the case. 
Uh, but your, uh, look, your point is, well, look at these things that Amelia has listed in, in her uh, article today, watching and watch, uh, of other things outside of academics that they're talking about cutting. And, and your, your, your philosophy there makes perfect sense. They look at that and they say, we don't need that in West Virginia. And we got the power now to tell them, no, we're Let's, not going to do that. You know what? We need more coal mining programs. Let's get some coal mining programs in there. All right. Maybe I'm, I, maybe I, I'm overstating the case. I, I sometimes do. But I just the whole thing is just... All right, 18 to the hour on the Watchdog. Hey, you know what we're probably not going to do today? Well, we're not going to do. Talk about Christmas. <laughs> we'll put that on the back. Well, it is September. Yeah, well, the story won't hold for tomorrow. But it, uh, I was all morning long, I was like, we're going to talk about Christmas. We're going to talk about Christmas. We're talking about... I don't think we're going to talk about Christmas. We will talk with Bob Westfall coming up in a minute or two here on the Watchdog Morning Show. It is 18 till the hour. Good Tuesday morning, everyone. I'm Taylor Long with your 7 News headlines on the September the 19th. There's been another hoarding situation of animals discovered in Belmont County. A woman and her two adult daughters were living in Fairview with 11 starving dogs, plus the bodies of a still unknown number of other dogs, cats, chickens, and a rat. Humane agents say four standard poodles had died, locked in cages without food or water. They say the three women are living in unbelievable squalor. Officials say they rescued several dogs from the home. They also say the dogs were covered in fleas and sores, and two of them were near death from starvation. Two women who lived in the home were jailed on cruelty charges, and the third woman, who is disabled, was placed in another residence. All the details can be found at WTRF.com. And continuing coverage, Gerald Jaco has pled guilty to two counts of murder. Ohio County will have a press conference on Thursday to release more details. This case dates back to 2018. Officials say Jaco and his girlfriend, Dana Marie Bowman, lured Trevor Vossen and his pregnant girlfriend to a house in Wheeling. According to reports, the two victims were dismembered in the house and their remains were later burned and hidden in Raleigh County. Due to her death, Cree Jenkins' unborn child also died. Stay with 7 News for updates. And developing this morning, the body of a man that was found under a barge in Marshall County has been identified. Officials say he was a man wanted for attempted murder in Meigs County, Ohio. According to the county sheriff's office, the West Virginia Chief Medical Examiner's Office identified the body as 34-year-old Christopher Cowdery, who was from Reevesville. The sheriff's office says his cause of death was drowning. Authorities say they don't believe there was any foul play in his death. Stay with 7 News for any further updates. That was a look at your headlines. Have a terrific Tuesday. I'm Taylor Long, working for you. When the unexpected happens, it's good to know you can count on the certified professional restorers at Panhandle Cleaning and Restoration. Whether it's fire, smoke, flood, or storm that damages your home or business, you can rest assured that we have helped thousands of families just like yours. With the right people, equipment, and expertise, we are ready to respond 24 hours a day to get you quickly back on your feet. When disaster strikes, just pick up the phone. Ready for your next adventure? Then head on into your local Toyota dealer, where legendary performance and reliability go hand in hand. Check out a sporty Camry with available all-wheel drive and Toyota Safety Sense, or the spacious RAV4, turning heads with amazing fuel efficiency. And now, explore Toyota like never before, with hybrids, plug-in hybrids, and full electric options. Visit buyatoyota.com today. Offers end October 3rd. 
Toyota. Let's go places. How much could a cyber attack cost your business? The costs stemming from a cyber attack can vary tremendously, but are extremely significant. Recent studies have shown that the average cost of a data breach to small business can range from $120,000 to $1.2 million. In addition to financial loss, companies also suffer downtime, lost opportunities, and data recovery expenses that can all quickly add up. Could your organization survive a cyber incident? If you are unsure if you are doing enough to protect your data, reputation, and dollars from cyber criminals, contact the team at Omni Strategic Technologies today. Omni has the right tools and support to help keep your business protected. Call 304-242-7600 and schedule your free consultation today or visit omniperforms.com. Omni Strategic Technologies, the only cybersecurity and advisory firm that the watchdog trusts. When deciding where to dine in the Ohio Valley, think first of the Highlands with a full array of quick service choices from McDonald's, Wendy's, Five Guys, Taco Bell, Jersey Mike's, Jimmy John's, Chick-fil-A, or DiCarlo's Pizza. Or you can dine in at Eden Park, Promanti Brothers, Texas Roadhouse, El Paso, or Quaker Steak and Lube. Whatever your family's in the mood for, you can find it just off I-70 at the top of the hill. The Highlands, dining, shopping, entertainment, and lodging. Live from the Robinson Auto Group Studios in the heart of the Ohio Valley, this is the Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe. Do you that? recognize that? Is it, are you Tarzan? Tarzan. This story crossed my desk this morning. An increasing number of people are embracing the Tarzan movement, a practice that involves living like a primate. Participants in the Tarzan movement walk on all fours, climb trees, and yes, make the Tarzan call as their way of getting back to nature. There's some guy named Victor Manuel Flietes. He founded the movement. He teaches a King Kong class, $12 a class, but then again, how much learning does it take to walk on all fours and climb a tree? Yeah, but I'm not sure I can swing on those vines, Howard. Yeah. <laughs> he has 180,000 people who have taken his class. That's a lot of people. The moment you put, this is a quote from Mr. Fletes. The moment you put your feet on a wrong on a round branch, it makes sense. You just know. If I go on the tree and I start and I try and I explore it slowly, gently. It's like making a new friend. There are times I wonder what in the world is the world coming to? The Tarzan movement. Carol Burnett would be proud. Do we know what Jane looks like? I do not. 
no, or, or Chuchita, or uh, maybe this guy was involved in that. Was it the Columbus Zoo? We heard the story this morning on Met on Ohio News Network. Big time embezzlement. Was it ten million dollars worth? A lot of, of millions from donations to the zoo. Zoo workers are taking. Maybe they're in the tar. I, God help me. I, I'm, I'm kind of glad the show's almost over because that just that story crossed my desk this morning and I thought I, I can't, I cannot believe it. Ten to the hour here on the Watchdog Morning Show. Uh, coming up today, as uh, we mentioned, uh, coming up statewide talk line, ten oh six this morning. Hoppy Kirchwell will have. Uh, uh, among other things, Alex Mooney will be on. I don't know if you care about that. I don't, but uh, Alex Mooney will be on. Also, some more talk about the WVU story. And uh, then coming up after that, it is the uh, Pine Room guys today, right? Pine Room guys, uh, 12 to 3, right here in studio on the Watchdog Network. And, of course, the Pine Room guys are here every – well, they're here multiple times a week. But they're here every Friday. Well, they're not here, Howard. Well, they are, like – on the frequency. They're at Gumby somewhere. You'll find yes. them at 98.1, 97.7, AM, 1600, AM, 1370, or online at TuneIn Radio or com. They're on the frequency. But they're physically, like, their butts are in the chair at Gumby's. At Gumby's. Brought on you, Fridays. Brought to you by the fine fo- folks at Gumby's and Jill's Gentleman's Club. And uh, it's always a, it's a great time. It's a fun time if you enjoy uh, good sports conversation, especially previewing the high school games of the week and so on. Check out the Pine Room podcast live from Gumby's every Friday, including this Friday, from noon until 3. When uh, the Pine Room guys are done, they'll they'll wrap things up. And uh, here in the studio, then it will be in the studio, actually here, the Matt Jones pre-owned auto walkthrough from 3 to 5 o'clock. And then this week, uh, JM's on the road, I think, right? Let me look at my sheet here. It looks like John Marshall at Parkersburg. Boy, that's going to be another, another no, tough one for the Monarchs. Uh, wow. And then uh, Pittsburgh Obama travels to Wheeling. Obama? To take, uh, Obama. I thought they just played them. I, I don't know. This I, I don't know. I don't. Wheeling Central at home, 7 o'clock, it says here, against Pittsburgh Obama. Maybe that's the team that played Wheeling Park. I'm a little confused, Howard. Okay. Um, and then when that's all over and done with both games this Friday, of course, high school game night with Freddie Persinger. Uh, he, he hangs around there down at the Metro News Studios. He gets them all in. I, he, I give he, him credit. He waits until we're done. When we're done, when Central is done, JM is done, our post-game programming is done, then we call him, Fred, wake up, Fred. And Fred Persinger comes on with, the st- with game night, so check that out. And then, of course, on Saturday morning, the good old boys with Bear and Bob at 8 and the Saturday morning sports huddle at 9. Um, and WVU plays around noon. Well, our, our broadcast, I think, is around noon. Um, Pre-game gets underway at 1230, West Virginia at Texas Tech. All right. No, all. no, 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 no. I got that wrong. I'm going by my sheet here. How many home games in a row can West Virginia play? I have it as Texas Tech at WVU, but I'm going to double-check that. I I believe that's correct, and I only say that because I think I saw a um, uh, a Facebook ad that said – the last home game for the next, for four more weeks or something like that. So, so I will not doubt the sheet. Texas Tech at Morgantown to take on the Mountaineers pregame at 1230. Eight before the hour here on the Watchdog Morning Show. Let's swing on over to the Big 7, WTRF-TV. Bob Westfall is here with us. Good morning, Bob. Morning, Howard. How are you this morning? I, I'm, I'm good. Uh, we've had a busy morning this morning. Have you, have you ever heard of the Tarzan movement? No. Apparently there's this guy who teaches a class – Calls of the King Kong class in the Tarzan movement, where he, where people get back to nature by pretending like they're apes, 
and they they walk on all fours and they climb trees and they go hoo, 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 like monkeys and he says it's a great way to get back to nature it's called the tarzan movement I, I, i'm wondering if he's been smoking the vines you know what i'm saying i yeah i wouldn't be able to you begin to guess <laughs> i've never heard of such a thing i i didn't until about 8 30 this morning when i saw this story and i i couldn't believe it couldn't believe it um, all right, we, uh, we've been talking about getting ready for the big Bridge Day. So Bridge Day, help me on the timing on this again, because you're, you're, this is your hometown, uh, from Brilliant to Wellsburg, the bridge. The, the party will be tomorrow, and the bridge opening is Thursday. Am I right about that? 9 a.m. Thursday morning All right, on the 21st. All right, Baby Dog is going to lead us across the bridge. Well, not lead us across the bridge, but Baby Dog will... We'll start things off across the bridge, but so what are they? What exactly is tomorrow going to be? Just just people go and look at the bridge, ribbon cutting uh, at noon um, for the for the bridge. Uh, then there's all kinds of events on the bridge near the bridge, uh, celebrating the bridge. You remember, this is uh, something that's been talked about for oh gosh, 75 years, uh, if not longer. Um, so we're going to do a little bit of celebrating, and then uh, we're going to go from there. As a brilliantian, bril, bril, brilliantian, I, as a guy from Brilliant, uh, is it going to be helpful? Do you think? Oh, I think so. It opens up Wellsburg to us. Uh, there's already some uh, uh, work going on the Brilliant side, buildings, uh, some homes, uh, buildings being torn down, plants bringing a, 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 a shopping complex. So uh, I think that's uh, yeah, I think that's a huge deal. I think you and I have talked this before. I think Brilliant is more likely to benefit from this than the the Ohio than, than the West Virginia side of things. Would you not agree with me? Um, that depends on if the, if we get a shopping center or anything in the Brilliant. That that would be huge. But I think I think Wellsburg um, Wellsburg has uh, you know all the shops, all the restaurants, everything like that right now. Whereas if you know, if you live in Brilliant or that area, Southern Jefferson County, you're not as a hmm. you know thrilling to want to go to Wellsburg because you've got to go all the way to Steubenville, cross the bridge, come down from Fallensby to get to Wellsburg. Well, now you don't have that. You just go up Route 7 to Brilliant, cross into Wellsburg, and, and then you've got all those restaurants and stores and hardware stores at, at your hands in, in Wellsburg. So, I mean, I guess it depends on what uh, the officials do in, in Wells Township with that bridge. All right. Well, it'll be interesting to see, but tomorrow's party day and then uh, the actual uh, ribbon cutting and party and whatever you want to call it. And then we uh, drive across the bridge. The driving across the bridge officially begins on uh, Thursday. What else is happening today? What are you working on? Uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, I was going to finish that. We're going to have team coverage. We'll be live at noon with Taylor Long. And then uh, Colin Roos and Annalise Murphy will be covering uh, the events of the day. So we have team coverage tomorrow for the bridge opening. Uh, historic day. I mean, it's a historic bridge, one of the first of its kind to be built the way it was built. So we're yeah. kind of excited about that. And I had forgotten until I read a story that you guys had at WTF.com that I tend to think of this as a, maybe a 10-year project, but actually this has been talked about, as you said, for, for generations, really. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I know I moved to Brilliant in 69 or 70 uh, when I was a young kid, and they were talking about it back then. So, yeah, absolutely. Right. Um, so other things we're working on today real quick. Uh, we're going to talk to Ogilvy Park. They put out a release yesterday. They're planning a deer calling this fall. Uh, effort to curb uh, the growing deer population. So we're going to talk to them about exact, exactly what that is, what people need to know to take part, uh, kind of explain uh, what's going on and why. Uh, we're going to talk to Sheila Moran with uh, on National Recovery Month, uh, something that's again, as we've always talked about, the epidemic within the pandemic. Uh, we still have the overdoses, uh, 
Uh, we get those texts every at least once a week from mm-hmm. Wheeling PD, um, you know, uh, possible drug overdoses. So we're going to find out about Recovery Month, what people need to know. And there's a Bigfoot-themed geocaching tour coming to <laughs> Belmont County. Really? That's yep. kind of interesting. Okay. Yep. So DK is uh, over there right now talking to the tourism people to get a little bit of an update on that. And we're going to talk to West Virginia governor, uh, candidate for governor, uh, Rashida Yost, this afternoon. Jake McLaughlin is going to touch on uh, talk that one today. So that's okay. uh, a little bit of everything we got today. Got busy stuff going on today. Always at WTRF.com on uh, on air at noon, 5, 6, 10, 11, 5, 30 statewide show. And carry Channel 7 in your pocket with the Storm Tracker 7 app and the news app. Um, and, of course, you can listen to them here on the radio, too. So all kinds of ways to listen to the award-winning TV news team, WTRF-TV. All right, uh, Bob, appreciate it. We'll talk to you tomorrow. No, let's see, tomorrow is tomorrow, tomorrow's Wednesday, right? I'll talk to you on uh, Thursday. We're going to be at the bridge, right? Yeah, that's right. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, you can report in from the bridge if you want to, or somebody can, you know, call us from the bridge. There you go. Yep. All right, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Hey, bye. All right, tomorrow I am going to spend more time on this WVU thing. I have Stephen Adams already scheduled tomorrow to come in and talk about how he says that really this the complaints, the criticism, the, the, they've been loud protests, and they've been relatively large, but they're not as big as you would think. And Stephen wrote a column about it. You can check it out in the Intel today uh, if you'd like to. He's going to be with us tomorrow. And I think I'll try to get Amelia nicely to come on if she has time. She's been with us before. Uh, she used to work for a couple of different entities. She is the one that got in some trouble because the, she was working on uh, foster care stories for the DHHR, and they told public broadcasting we don't want her here anymore, and she made some national news on that. So I'm going to try and get her on because she's taking a look at the other things that they're talking about cutting back at WVU. And I don't know what else will happen. You know what? Maybe, maybe, maybe double Christmas. Since we didn't do it all morning long, even though I said it 15 times today. You hear that, Angela? Maybe tomorrow. Be ready. We need a little Christmas right this very minute. All right. See you all tomorrow morning, 7 o'clock. Mr. Slider and I will be here. Hoppy's up next. AM 1600 WKKX Wheeling, FM 97.7, AM 1370 WVLY Moundsville. From 